السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته <تصفيق> الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد فقد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولا على الذين إذا ما أتوك لتحملهم قلت لا أجد ما أحملكم عليه تولوا وأعينهم تفيد من الدمع حزنا ألا يجد ما ينفقون صدق الله العظيم الحمد لله we're uh, closing up into our discussion and our synopsis of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and in our timeline we're now in the ninth year of hijrah which is about the 21st year in the uh, Nubuat and the prophethood of the Prophet And just to kind of highlight events that have taken place now um, The conquest of Mecca has occurred Which is now a very significant uh, event Now the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Has uh, Mecca, Medina and the neighboring and uh, uh, surrounding areas Under the Muslim control uh, Islam is spreading The people are accepting Islam uh, followed by the conquest of Mecca, we had the Battle of Hunayn, which was uh, maybe uh, a week or two weeks after the conquest of uh, Mecca. And the Day of Hunayn and the Battle of Hunayn uh, set the standard for the spoils and then the riches that the Muslims have received. And after the Battle of Hunayn and, and the besieging of Ta'if, now kind of the main events that will take place is the expedition and the battle of Tabuk. And we'll speak about that today, inshallah. And then the next year, the next year in Hijrah, which is the 10th year of Hijrah, there's various delegations and groups and tribes that come to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and accept the rule of the Muslims and accept the jizya tax, which is a tax for protection if, if they're not Muslims. Or they will actually accept Islam and they will become part of the Muslims. And then that is followed up with the last year of uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which is the farewell hajj, the hajj of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, advices that he gave um, as last advices to the ummah and to the Muslims. And then followed by the demise of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So inshallah, we will be finishing on Wednesday. And uh, inshallah, the plan is to have, uh, you know, my teacher Mufti Mudathir uh, come and also uh, speak a few words, give us a few lessons from his wisdom. And then also to end with the dua, inshallah. So that will be the 27th day of the month of Ramadan. So that's this Wednesday, inshallah. So, the expedition of Tabuk. So now if we remember where we are in our uh, story and we kind of recall the events that have taken place, the Prophet ﷺ has fought uh, in the Battle of Hunayn. He's taken the spoils, the Hawazin, the fierce tribe of Hawazin. Uh, they have uh, been defeated. And now, as of right now, they're not, the entire city of uh, Ta'if is not completely Muslim, but a group of them have accepted Islam and they have come to the Prophet Sallallahu asking for their, um, you know, their families and their, their uh, wealth back. 
the Prophet وسلم, he tells them that he can give what is already in his control. And so he gives them uh, the, the women and the children from Banu Muttalib and Banu Hashim. And then he says that I will intercede on your behalf when speaking to the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum that when you come and declare your Islam and you let me know and you announce it, I will also say that, you know, I recommend everybody also gives their, uh, uh, you know, uh, captives back. And so from that, there were 6,000 that were released and they uh, ended up accepting Islam. And this was a very, uh, uh, you know, uh, great step forward. So after that, the Prophet ﷺ returns to Medina. And that was, you know, um, about two months after he left Medina, he returned back to Medina. So now in Medina, uh, you can imagine after the Fatah of Makkah, there is now widespread uh, respect. You know, uh, people are owning up to the fact that the Muslims are now the authority in this area. And geographically speaking, the, the whole area from Yemen to Oman to Medina and even going up uh, towards the Syrian border is now pretty much under the control of the Muslims and uh, under the control of the Prophet wasallam. And he has various uh, governors that are set up in different, different locations. And along with those governors, he has, you know, teachers that are teaching them the deen. Because remember, like in Fatimaka, the people accepted Islam and then they went and uh, the Prophet wasallam didn't stay there to teach, but he assigned somebody and mentions uh, Mu'adh bin Jabal. He was assigned to stay there, teach the people about Islam and uh, uh, continue so that they can learn and they can study their, their deen. So now in the ninth year of Hijrah, uh, this is after the Prophet wasallam has now come back to Medina. Um, the, the empires in the north, we have the the uh, East Roman Empire, which is the now we call it the Byzantine Empire, but back then and uh, historically speaking, it was called the Roman Empire. And on the uh, you know northeast, we have the Persians. And so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He mentions in the Quran, "Ghulibat uh, al and exactly as Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that the Romans defeat the Persians and they take over Jerusalem. And this was what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had promised. And so the neighboring Arab tribes, they also, uh, um, you know, they want to conquer them and they want to also take them. And then the only authority that's there is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the Muslims. Because if you look at it, there's no other major authority in that area other than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Arabs, they were scattered, right? So bringing them under one rule was uh, what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was, uh, was doing. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he gets the Sahaba radiallahu taala anhum ready for this. And and before we get into that, um, just to kind of mention, there was some other uh, smaller uh, uprisings, and some tribes uh, they came up and they, for example, the Banu Tamim, and they accepted Islam, but then uh, uh, you know they it, eventually they accepted Islam, but they, in, initially they didn't want to be under the Muslims. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent a Cavalry and they uh, uh, brought their, uh, they defeated them. It was a small uprising. And then the Prophet ﷺ, uh, when he brought the prisoners and the captives, uh, their chiefs, they came to Medina to get their people out. And what's interesting about this story is 
uh, they didn't have money to pay for their ransoms. Remember the Arabs, they used to ransom their prisoners and they didn't have that much money. So what they did is they said, you know, instead of, uh, um, you know, ransoming them by money, we'll, we'll challenge you to a poetry duel. And, you know, how we have rap battles and people uh, battle through poetry, which was the same thing that, that happened. So they sent one person, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, okay, we accept. And then he sent Thabit bin Qais, who was an uh, eloquent poet. And so he said something, and then they sent another person who stood up, and he said another set of poetry. Now imagine this is this is the state that their uh, uh, political answers are being answered through poetry. So now they send another person, and Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he sends Hassan bin Thabit, who uh, uh, such uh, says such poetry that they're like you know this this is it we can't uh, win anymore, and so they see the hospitality of the Muslims while they're there. And they end up actually accepting Islam. And that's how the entire tribe became Muslims. The Prophet ﷺ releases them and he lets them go with some gifts. And, uh, uh, you know, they're happy. They're now part of the Muslims. Another such, uh, uh, you know, uh, event that takes place is the Prophet ﷺ. Remember when Fatih Mecca happened, the pagans had their uh, huge gods, you know, their, their temples. And so in Mecca was Hubla, which was this uh, god that they used to worship. And in the side of the, uh, you know, the coastal side of the Red Sea by the city of Medina was Manat. And so the Prophet ﷺ sent a, a group of the companions to there to destroy that temple also. And similarly, there was a, uh, another idol that was in Ta'if. As of right now, Lat. But... As of right now, the Prophet ﷺ has not destroyed it yet. But uh, we'll learn today, inshallah, that that also gets destroyed. And so there was another idol that was north of uh, north of uh, Medina. And the name of this idol was Filis or Qalus. Um, so he sent Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu to destroy this idol. And, uh, uh, you know, pretty much uh, take away the people from uh, shirk. And bring them to the oneness of Allah. Um, in that, there were some uh, captives that came. And then they came from the tribe of Hatim At-Ta'i. Hatim At-Ta'i, he was a person in, in uh, uh, Arab history. To no, be known as a very, very generous person. You know, uh, there's a lot of stories about him. And I'm sure everybody's heard something. But some of one of the stories is that, um, you know, he had a person that wanted to buy his horse. And he also was his guest. So he came and he was also his guest. But because he had nothing to feed that person, he fed him, the, he slaughtered the horse and he fed him the horse. And so the next day the person comes back and says, okay, you know, now I'm going to buy that horse. Where's that horse? And he said, you just ate that horse. Uh, there's no more horse that you just ate it. And so that was his uh, hospitality that he had for the people. Right? So uh, from there, his daughter gets captured and his daughter, um, Safana, she tells the Prophet who she is. And the Arabs, they had a lot of respect for the generosity of this man and uh, the good qualities that he had. So the Prophet asks the companion that if he can release her without any uh, ransom, and she's released without any ransom, she goes to the Syrian border to her brother Adi, and he, uh, she tells him about the kindness of the Prophet ﷺ, all these good things about Rasulullah ﷺ. 
And so the Prophet ﷺ is now visited by her brother, Adi. And so they go back and forth, but eventually he also accepts Islam and he becomes also a Muslim. So now when he's, uh, you know, going back to the border in the north border where the other empires are there, there's other scattered uh, Arab tribes. And after the defeat of the, uh, the, the defeat of the Persians, the Romans uh, felt very confident. And they, they thought this was a chance that they can now come and invade uh, Arabia and again attack the Arabs. And again, th their mentality was, if we, this is another power that is coming up. And if we attack this power, then what's going to happen is the Arabs were scattered before and they're going to be scattered again and they're not going to be united. So it mentions that uh, he sent out an army uh, to a place called uh, Balqa. And that's uh, about 4,000 people he already sent out. And according to some, he hadn't. According to some accounts, he didn't send out the army yet, but he was getting prepared to attack the Muslims. Now, the Prophet ﷺ, when he met, uh, saw this, that this king and uh, uh, kingdom is now coming to attack the Muslims, he started getting prepared and he started uh, preparing the Sahaba ta'ala anhum. And if you look at all the battles that the Muslims have fought, and all the uh, uh, you know, different, different expeditions that have occurred, uh, the Ghazwat, the Seer, and all of these things, we see that the Muslims, their, their attitude was not a, a offensive uh, fight till the death kind of attitude. Their, their attitude was, even though, remember, the Arabs, they solved their problems with the sword, right? Something happened, they would fight for generations after generations, and they didn't care about how many uh, lives were lost. Thousands of lives can be lost for one argument. So if we look at the Islamic uh, standpoint and the history of Islam, there's not so much fighting that's going on. In these eight years of nubuwat, of prophethood, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is, uh, uh, not only is he taking over of, uh, all of Arabia, but there's not so many lives that are lost, right? So this, this is something that is very amazing that we see in the Muslims. That in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, even though all of these things have happened and all of these people have fought and all of these uh, 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 expeditions have gone out, but this is not spreading through uh, ways of fighting, right? All of those eight years came out to be only about a thousand people. And the, the attitude of the Arabs was that they would lose a thousand people for just uh, you know, silly arguments and things that they would kind of uh, just uh, uh, arguments for one generation that would carry on to another generation and similar things like that. So now in this uh, battle of Tabuk, what's really amazing is this is a battle that um, they had all these odds against them. Yet the Muslims, they weren't looking at the means, the asbab, but they were looking at the musabib, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when, when we look at this battle, uh, this is a battle that after all of these times and all of these, uh, 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 you know, you say uh, opportunities to defend and fight, this is one of those that is very amazing. So first and foremost, Tabuk is about, uh, uh, you know, 400 kilometers away from Medina, which is a really, this is the longest that any of the expeditions has been. And on top of that, 
Look at the odds that are against the Muslims. It's in the middle of the summer heat. And it's hot. And they have to be traveling in the day. And this is the time when the temptation is at high. What's the temptation? The farmers, the, uh, the people of Medina, this is when they are seeing uh, their fruits ripen. They're seeing their dates being ready for harvest. And the shade is nice, nice and cool and breezy. Uh, you can imagine that this is, this is a time that they want to relax, they want to rest. And the distance is so much. Um, in the other expeditions, Rasulullah wasallam, what he would do is he wouldn't tell the army where they're headed to. And after leaving Medina and after going, uh, then he would tell them that we're going to this destination. This is where our objective is. But in the Battle of Tabuk, uh, he tells them that we're going to Tabuk. It's such a long journey. He wants them to prepare. And so uh, they start preparing and they start getting ready. And who's the enemy? Look at this other obstacle. Who's the enemy? The opponent is a whole kingdom. The entire Roman Empire that was pretty vast. And so they're taking them on. And that's, you know, uh, uh, I like how one of the scholars, they mentioned, this is like, you know, the, the, the country of Haiti taking over America. It seems almost outrageous that, you know, something like that can even be impo uh, uh, possible. But this is what the Muslims, they're getting ready for. And so again, the Muslims, they didn't look at the asbab. They didn't look at the means. They just looked at what was the need of the time and they prepared themselves for that. So the Muslims, they're getting ready. Um, the Roman army is getting ready. And now because of the fact that it's such a huge long obstacle, the Prophet ﷺ, he asks the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum to donate and fundraise for this expedition. So the Prophet ﷺ calls all the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum and they assemble the tribes, the people in Mecca and the tribes near uh, uh, Medina and people start giving, you know, the wealthy companions would give and uh, whatever they had, the poor would give whatever they had. You know, the hypocrites, they did what they were doing best in their hypocrisy. They were telling, you know, the people that would give the rich and affluent Sahaba who had money, they would tell them that, you know, what are you trying to show off? Why are you trying to show off to Allah with all your money? And then to the poor ones, the ones that didn't have so much, uh, you know, they would give whatever they had, few dates and few things. They would start jesting and mocking at them and saying, you know, uh, uh, what need does Allah have for a few dates? Do you think that you're making a difference and make them feel bad? And that's something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions, uh, you know, this incident in the Qur'an. Um, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he always had this uh, uh, sense of competition with Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And at this uh, uh, expedition, he says that, you know, uh, I'm going to give so much that, you know, the need is so high. The need is so high that I'm going to give so much that I'm going to finally be able to beat Abu Bakr in uh, uh, giving and uh, uh, raising funds for Islam. So he comes and he says, you know what? I'm going to literally give half of everything I have. So he, take, he goes home, he grabs uh, half of his wealth and he comes to the Prophet ﷺ and he gives to the Prophet ﷺ and says, this is for the Muslims, this is for the expedition. And so he thinks now, that's it. I got, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm on the top right now. Abu Bakr cannot beat this. I gave literally half of everything I have. So the 
the Prophet ﷺ, he asks Abu Bakr, what have you brought? And he says, Ya Rasulullah, I brought everything that I have. So not even half, he said, I brought everything I have. So now the uh, uh, Umar who he says, you know, uh, everything that, how can I even beat that? And so the Prophet ﷺ, he says, you know, what have you left? If you brought everything, what, uh, what have you left for your family? So he mentions that he left, uh, uh, he left Allah and Rasul for his family. Meaning that whenever they have a need, they know exactly where to get their, uh, fulfill their needs. That they can ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they can ask, uh, uh, make dua, and have, have that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they can ask and get whatever they need. So this is something that is, uh, uh, you know, that Umar radiallahu ta'ala who feels that there's no way that he can beat that. And that he says, after that day, I, I, I couldn't com- compete with Abu Bakr. That was it. Um, Uthman radiallahu ta'ala who also gives a lot and the numbers now assemble there are about uh, 30,000 men that assemble this is the highest uh, number that has assembled for any expedition in Islam Um, the poor Muslims you know something that is very interesting is the ones that couldn't afford a conveyance couldn't afford a camel uh, they came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and they tell Ya Rasulullah, we don't have a camel. If you give a camel to us, we'll come and we'll also join in the ranks of the Muslims. And the Prophet وسلم, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings this in the ayat, uh, إِذَا مَا أَتَوْكَ لِتَحْمِلَهُمْ And not upon the ones that, uh, uh, you know, there's no blame upon the ones that come to you and say that لِتَحْمِلَهُمْ So that you can give them a conveyance. And you say, La ajiduma ahmilukum alayh. Then you say that I don't I don't have anything to give you. Meaning I don't have any camel or anything. And what happened is the the zeal of these sahaba to give everything for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give their lives for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to live a life where they're uh, uh, pleased with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa happy with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they are happy with them. So what happened? They couldn't bear it. And they started cr- uh, crying. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings that in the Qur'an. And He says, And they turn around and their eyes, they start flowing from tears. That they're just so sad that they don't have anything to spend for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this was the condition of the Muslims. They couldn't hide it. Um, so they start uh, uh, you know, getting ready and... Some people, some of the hypocrites and some of the Bedouins, they offer their excuses saying that, you know, uh, we want to, uh, you know, stay back. And they start uh, mocking them saying that, you know, how are we going to take over and fight an uh, entire kingdom? The harvest is ready right now. You know, we'll, we'll come back later. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam allowed them to stay back. And then, you know, the story is, is that there were some companions, Badri Sahabis, uh, some companions, close companions of the Prophet ﷺ who also stayed back. So now they start their journey in uh, the the month of Rajab, in 9th of uh, Hijrah. And they set out and it mentions that the hardship was such that there were so, uh, so many people but so less conveyances that one, one camel had to be shared by 18 individuals. That they took turns sharing this, uh, uh, their conveyance. They had such less food that uh, they would find leaves. And they would eat the leaves. 
And because of the harshness and the, uh, uh, you know, the way that leaves were, it actually made their uh, mouths and their lips swell up. And not only that, they didn't have water. They had to be forced to, uh, even though they didn't have uh, camels, they were forced to slaughter their camels to drink uh, water from their uh, uh, stomachs and intestines. So this is a very, uh, a, a, a situation that is very hard on the Muslims. And so they're setting out Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he's in charge of the women and children. And he comes and asks the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, why isn't he allowed to join the army? Meaning the Muslims that are going to Tabuk, north of, um, of Medina. So he says that, are you not content Ali that you are to me as Harun alayhi salam was for Musa alayhi salam, except that there's no prophet after me. And the wisdom strategy is if the Muslims get beat by the Roman Empire and the Roman army, then they're going to advance towards Medina. Remember Ali radiallahu ta'ala, who he was part of all the battles, right? The, he was one of the four, uh, first and foremost individuals that was with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But here the wisdom is that if they say something or if they do something and the army of the Muslims is done, they're going to advance towards Medina, so they need protection also. Now on the way to Tabuk, it's a very long journey. You can imagine the hardships and, and the, the way it is. On the way to Tabuk, they go through the lands of the ancient uh, Arabs. And we mentioned this before in the beginning, who were the ancient Arabs, the people of Thamud, um, and the people of uh, Hud uh, the people of Ad. And so the Arabs knew that these were the ancient Arabs and they knew that these were individuals that were uh, uh, in the past uh, and they disobeyed Allah and the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came upon them. And as a sign, the ruins of their houses and their city was still left. So as they're passing this, uh, the place of uh, Thamud, and this is the people of uh, Salih alayhi salam, where as a miracle, they asked for a calf or a, 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 not a calf, uh, a camel to come out from a, 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 from a mountain. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed that miracle and that a camel came from just a, a mountain. And so the people at that time, they uh, killed this camel and the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came, an earthquake came and wiped them out. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa as they're passing by these ruins, he tells them that don't use the wells and, and the water from these areas. And he tells them to use the well that is there at, uh, where the camel of Saudi used to drink from. And uh, by mistake, you know, the Sahaba, they didn't know. So they used that water. So he had them actually feed that, the dough and the water to the, ca uh, the camels. And he told them that as you enter these ruins uh, of the people who have wronged themselves, fear that you can also meet the same fate that they, they met. Meaning that they disobeyed Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He took action and He destroyed them. And similarly, who do you think you are that if you don't uh, obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the same can also happen to you. So they covered their heads and they rushed uh, through that valley and through that land. Now, finally they reach uh, Tabuk. And finally they get to their destination and they camp out waiting for the Roman Empire and Roman army to show up. And it mentions that they stayed there for 20 days, waiting for them to come. And in that meantime, um, some of the companions that were um, 
you know, uh, uh, kind of delayed in leaving Medina. They show up, uh, such as Abu Khaythama, who the story is, is that he was uh, resting and the army of the Muslims left. And then he said that, you know, I'll go tomorrow. And then he said, okay, I'll go tomorrow. And he kept saying that. And then finally, he was just uh, uh, relaxing uh, in his garden with some uh, cold water and fruits and this and that. And then he realized that, you know, what am I doing? That I'm relaxing while the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he doesn't, he's going through this treacherous and hardship uh, journey. And so immediately he sets out and he goes to uh, join up with the army. And uh, there was three other companions, Sahaba that we'll, we'll speak about later on, that uh, they, they didn't join the army of the Muslims and then they give their excuses and, uh, uh, to the Prophet ﷺ. So now the Muslims, they're there for 20 days. The army of the Romans, they see the fact that these Muslims and these Arabs, they're challenging them. And even though they have this huge kingdom, uh, if we remember the emperor of Rome, uh, Heraclius, he knew that uh, the Prophet ﷺ was a true prophet. And he wanted to accept, but because of uh, the way that the, you know, uh, his power and his empire, he preferred that over accepting Islam. So he, he's kind of a little shooken that the fact that they came up and to, they're, they're coming to meet them. And so he doesn't send out an army and nothing happens for the 20 days that they're there. No army comes and there's no battle. So after 20 days of waiting for the army to come, the Muslims, they return back. But what this did is they, this made the region around that area in that area of uh, uh, Sham, that area of uh, Syria, really respect the Muslims and intimidate any uh, uh, of the other empires that they knew that these Muslims, they're no joke. They're, they're really coming out and they're uh, facing an entire army, which was something that was outrageous, right? And, you know, you look at it, like I said before, it's, it's the same thing as imagine the small island of Haiti. And the, they come up and they say, now we're going to take over America. So th th it seems almost outrageous that these small group of Muslims, they're trying to take over and challenge the entire kingdom. But here we see that uh, because they didn't have their eyes and their, their, their sight on the asbab, the means, rather they had it on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It didn't matter for them. The numbers didn't matter. What the difficulties and hardships uh, was there, it didn't matter. So in the end, they did what they had to do. And they didn't care about what... Uh, the means and what the, the numbers or the hardships and, you know, uh, these people are this big and their whole kingdom, it didn't matter to them. So after 20 days, they sent back to uh, Medina. The Prophet wasallam he makes alliances with the neighboring tribes and uh, he sends, uh, uh, you know, uh, another uh, 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 dispatch by Khalid bin Walid to uh, another city that is north of uh, uh, Tabuk to get them also allied with the Muslims. And, you know, uh, he brings the leader to the Prophet ﷺ who accepts Islam. And uh, uh, they're pretty much now under the Muslims. Uh, he doesn't accept Islam. He uh, uh, accepts the protection of the Muslims. And he becomes a person that gives the jizya, which was the protection tax. And now the Muslims now from uh, north, that is the limit that they're uh, reached. And from the south, you know, all the way to... Uh, Yemen and uh, that area. So now when the Muslims, they said back, um, few incidents that happened, right? On the way back, the army is taking a certain uh, route and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he's taking 
a mountain pass uh, along with two companions of his, uh, Ammar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Huzaifat ibn Yaman. And the hypocrites, about 12 hypocrites, what they do is they see that the fact that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is only with you know, two other individuals. And they say that, you know what, this is the best time to get rid of Muhammad. And so what they do is they put masks and they conceal their faces. And they go after the Prophet ﷺ, who's separated from the entire army. Right? The 30,000, they're going through a valley, and the Prophet ﷺ is taking a mountain pass. And so these hypocrites, they try to attack, and the Prophet ﷺ, he tells Huzaifat ibn Yaman, that take your shield and you know, uh, hit the horses, so they get scared. And so he does that, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends such terror into their hearts, that they fled and they ran away, and they joined back with the army, and they thought that they were concealed. But the Prophet ﷺ, he told Huzaifat ibn Yaman every single one of their names. That this is such and such person that is a hypocrite. This is such and such person that is a hypocrite. And so we see another thing that the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't take retribution. He didn't uh, uh, punish them. Even though he knew exactly who were there. And he knew that these were the individuals through revelation, through wahi. But to keep with the people, he didn't... Uh, he didn't say anything and they continued on. Now on the way back, uh, about one day journey from Medina, um, there was a group of people that wanted the Prophet ﷺ to pray at their uh, newfound mosque. And this is by Masjid Quba. Um, you know, if you see now where it is, it used to be where the bathrooms uh, near the stairs of Masjid Quba is. So now the these people they wanted to they built a, a, a you know a small masjid and they said that uh, you know it's easier for us and we want the Prophet ﷺ to come and inaugurate and start the the this masjid off and so the Prophet ﷺ tells them that you know right now I'm going for Tabuk I'm going for an expedition um, when I come back we'll see and we'll see if uh, 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 I'll decide then if I'm gonna pray here or not. So about a day's journey away from Medina, the Prophet ﷺ gets revelation that this is not a masjid. This is actually, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls it in the Quran, Masjidun Dirar. Right? Um, and he, he, he says that this is a masjid that was, you can't even call it a masjid. This was a building that was uh, set up to conspire against the Muslims by the hypocrites. And so this was a meeting spot. And so the Prophet ﷺ sends uh, a group to go destroy that that uh, building and they take uh, uh, destroy it and this was all through the revelation of the Prophet ﷺ. Now as he's coming near to Medina, again the excitement and the joy of the people is back. Imagine this is the most that the Prophet ﷺ has been away from in Medina. He's about uh, you know 61 years old, right? And so. Uh, 20 days staying in Tabuk and then the journey and coming back, about 50 days have, has passed since the Prophet ﷺ has left. So the people, they start again the way that they welcomed and received him before, singing Ta'ala al-Badru alayna, that the, this full moon has come upon us, and then thanking, and then that whole poetry, reading that whole poetry and uh, uh, getting happy and excited, they're receiving him from the outskirts of Medina into the city of Medina again. Imagine their love, imagine their compassion that they had for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that uh, with, with, with everything that is happening, uh, they have 
such love for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that even even a few days apart is hard for them to bear, right? And so they welcome the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam back to Medina. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam goes to the masjid, he prays there, and then he goes home. And then the people that stayed behind, they come. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions about them, the people who were hypocrites, they came and they gave their excuses and they lied to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He knew that they were hypocrites. And so He accepted whatever they said and they, the, the, they went on. And then there were true companions with firm faith. Uh, three of them, Ka'b bin Malik, Murrah bin Rabi' and Hilal bin Umayyah, who were true companions. And they knew that if we lie to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he's going to get a revelation and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to tell them exactly uh, that they're, they're uh, you know, uh, lying. So they say that we cannot do any of this and uh, we can't give an excuse. So they come, first comes Ka'b bin Malik, and his uh, account is a, a really lengthy account, but a very beautiful account. So I encourage everybody to kind of uh, read this portion in Sirah. Uh, we can find it in the books of Hadith also. Um, and he, he, he thinks and he, he's speaking in, in his account. He's speaking to himself and he says, you know, if, if I lie to the Prophet he's going to find out. And I don't have the guts to lie to the Messenger of Allah. And so he goes to the Prophet and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I didn't have any excuse I didn't have any reason why I stayed back. Uh, it was just that uh, uh, I set out. I said, I'll, I'll catch up with the army of the Muslims. The next day, I was also uh, a little lazy and lax. And I said, I'll still catch up. And, you know, uh, what happened is a few days passed. And now the Muslim army went so far that I can't catch up anymore. So I said, you know, what am I doing? There's only the hypocrites that are left in the city. There's women and children. Why am I with them? I felt so bad. So the Prophet ﷺ takes his and the other companions, uh, uh, you know, this excuse of not giving an excuse, right? And this is a very big lesson that they didn't give an excuse to the Prophet ﷺ. And uh, the uh, lesson that we take is our shortcomings, we shouldn't be giving excuses to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, helps those that don't give the, the, uh, uh, excuses because we're justifying uh, not doing an action or doing an action. And when you justify something, the excuse is uh, uh, more ugly than the wrong itself, right? So we don't give an excuse, rather we show our humbleness and we show the fact that we were weak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is something that is very uh, uh, important and something to, for us to understand that even if we're guilty of something, we shouldn't explain and justify that thing. Right, with, uh, especially with our with our relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, if something comes and we're not able to fulfill what we need to do, it's it shouldn't be such that uh, you know we say that oh you know I did this action because of such and such reason. No, it shouldn't be like that. It should be I did this uh, action because of my own mistakes and because of my own faults, and then we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to forgive. Right, so they didn't give any excuses, and then the for forty days. It was ordered that nobody was to speak to them. They were in quarantine for 40 days. At least in our quarantine, we were able to speak to people. But nobody could speak to them. They couldn't converse with them. And for 40 days, they just uh, uh, stayed there. And uh, Ka'b bin Malik, he, he mentions in the hadith that the other two, they were older men. But, you know, I was young, so I still used to go to the five daily prayers. 
And I used to say salam to the Prophet ﷺ with my corner of my eye. I would look, did he just reply back to my salam or not? So he would get excited. If, if he saw that the lips were moving, he got you know uh, uh, excited that maybe the Prophet ﷺ has forgiven me and there's a revelation that came. So this continued on for uh, 40 days and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered them to stay away from their wives also for another 10 days. 50 days passed. And after 50 days, um, after 50 days, the ayat were revealed. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Upon the ones that have stayed back until the, the, the land became daqat alayhim, that uh, uh, it became uh, small and stringent upon them. And their selves became uh, stringent and hard upon themselves. And they found out that there's no other way to go other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He accepted their tawbah. And they, they were happy and uh, uh, they mentioned, you know, uh, they were so happy that he gave his clothes to the person that gave this good, uh, good news. So this was the expedition of Tabuk. Uh, another few things that to mention in this year of uh, Hijrah, that the Prophet wasallam when he came back, um, the king of Abyssinia, he passes away. And remember, he was a Muslim. He gave refuge to the Muslims. And he passes away, so the Prophet ﷺ, he prays a Salat al-Ghaib upon them, upon him. Um, and then, uh, this was something that was done for only the Prophet ﷺ, where it seemed as if he was in front of Rasulullah ﷺ. Uh, the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, Umm Kulthum, who was the wife of Uthman radiallahu ta'ala, and who he also she also passes away. And, uh, you know, this saddened the Prophet ﷺ a lot. And he tells Uthman radiallahu ta'ala, who if he had another daughter, he would also give that daughter to Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu because of his, uh, uh, you know, his chastity and his compassion. Um, the leader of the Munafiqoon, Abdullah ibn Ubay, he also passes away. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after much debate, he prays uh, Salatul Janazah upon him. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, reveals verses that tell the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam not to offer... Uh, the Salatul Janazah upon the hypocrites. And then uh, this is the time now Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala who he takes a group of Muslims and he is made the Amir of Hajj. And he takes them for uh, the pilgrimage. And in this, um, you know, some accounts say when he already left and some accounts say before, he, as he was leaving, the ayat of Surah Tawbah were revealed that from this day on, they will, uh, remember in Hajj at that time, the Muslims would go, the pagans would go, and the pagans, their worship was, you know, they would uh, go around the Kaaba naked and do all these different things. But now, uh, with the ayat of Surah Tawbah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declared that none of the pagans and none of the polytheists are now allowed to be in Masjid al-Haram. So, uh, uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala leaves, he sends Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he catches up with Abu Bakr and he says that the Prophet sallallahu has sent me to announce this. Right? So he announces this in uh, uh, the Eid day and he continues this announcements and he tells everybody this is the last year after this year. Uh, there no, nobody that is uh, uh, you know, uh, pagan is allowed to come to Masjid al-Haram. This is only going to be for the Muslims. And this uh, declaration is made. Now, this kind of ends this uh, year of Hijrah, eighth year of Hijrah. Inshallah, tomorrow we'll discuss the ninth year of Hijrah. Like I said before, 
there's going to be a discussion on the delegations uh, that came. And then uh, not only that, um, we'll also speak about the, the 10th year of Hijrah, which is the farewell Hajj of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq to understand this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to get closer to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may he make us a means for our salvation in this life and the hereafter. Wa